one. And we recording are recording in progress. Recording. And uh, as I was just telling them off air, and I'm not telling all y'all on air, uh, I had to leave the gym because I thought I was about to shit my pants on the treadmill. So if at any point during this podcast I beeline it without a word, y'all are just going to keep talking and pretend like I'm still here and I'm going to go have an exorcism uh, out of my ass. And with that unholy start, maybe that shouldn't have been how I started, but it's happened and I can't take it back now. Uh, we're going to discuss something uh, very near and dear to me, and it's uh, suicide. Obviously, I, anyone that listens to the show knows I lost a brother to suicide. He was not in the military, but to me, suicide suicide. I, I don't care how it happened. It happened, and it sucks, and it uh, scars everyone around you forever. Um, and with that, gentlemen, please introduce yourselves. Mm. Mm. Wow. So sacred and profane. That's how we're beginning, right? Yes, sir. Just What's three up? whole men uh, having a conversation. If it's all right, Tommy, if it's okay, uh, we're really big on the practice of counsel, right? And you started off right off the bat. And in the practice of counsel, we just, because we, we're, we're leaving one space and coming into another, right? Like you just had an event. That was a cosmic event. Uh, and so we were creating sacred space here, right? Uh, and so we're coming into this threshold and, you know, speaking from the heart, listening from the heart, getting to the heart of the matter, being authentic and real and just being spontaneous, you know, not making anything up, you know, and that's that's our way, you know, and so we're really grateful. My name is Ryan. Uh, I'm a CB veteran, did a few tours to Iraq. Um, I have the greatest job in the world. Um, I get to live my life's purpose uh, by bringing our brothers and sisters that have served and others um, out into the land to find themselves, really upstream of suicide prevention to claim their truth um, on the long journey home for military service. That's who I am. Thank you. Oh, man. Uh, and I'm Mark Orofsky, uh, born and raised in Trent, New Jersey. Served a little, uh, somewhere around 14 years, Army Infantry. Uh, grew up in a socioeconomically challenged area. Joined the military to, uh, you know, get away from all that nonsense. I am a husband and father and the co-founder of Veteran Rights. Yeah, so that's me. Thank you. And uh, real quick, because I'm sure uh, I probably just lost about half our listeners with my opening. For anyone that's still here and before they leave and I scare them off again, which I'm bound to do at any moment, can uh, how can people, the, the website's in the description, how can people support y'all? Can they can they just go, go donate? They, they, they can do that and they can do what you're doing, Tommy. Yeah. You're holding space, spreading awareness, you know, being in relationship. That's it. Coming out to the land. Uh, we got a, a beautiful uh, initiate um, veteran of Afghanistan who's uh, doing the Spartan race. Mm. And he's he's raising awareness and money and for funds. It's all on our donate page at www.veteranrights.org. We'll get all into that. So I appreciate that. But this is it right here. Oh, having real, authentic, open space. Uh, to talk about this thing, to talk about suicide, being fully human, um, and coming home as a veteran. Do y'all find that people are more open to, uh, come experiment with you guys because of the desperation that suicidal ideation causes? I mean, it is a, mm -hmm. it's kind of like heating up a metal to work with it. It's a lot easier when the thing's near molten. And unfortunately, people are a lot more malleable when they're on the verge of, I mean, there's no greater decision than to end your own subjective experience in this reality and go over whatever threshold there is. 
I would imagine that makes them much more pliable to, sure, I'll go try this thing. Yeah, you know, there's something immediately hitting me, and in in relation to the to the question that you're asking, and that is, uh, yes, yes, and yes, it is awesome, and uh, it it works best when people are at a place of vulnerability and a depth of despair that creates an openness and a willingness to participate in just about anything to overcome that despair. And it also takes individuals like us doing what we're doing right now, which is talking openly about the nature of suicide and the catalysts or the circumstances that that drive one towards suicidal ideation and or the act of actual suicide, which means talking about fucking feelings. Yeah. And we have to be open to talking about those things because they're real. They do exist, you know, and if we continue to operate from a space of stuffing them deep down inside, which is something that the military teaches us to do, it's something that our parents teach have taught us to do, uh, then we're never going to get to the roots and be able to, to, to extract those roots from the ground that that cause and grow into suicidal ideation trees. You know what I mean? And yeah. Tommy, like if, if, if knuckle draggers like us, right, can talk about love and vulnerability and strength and wholeness and resilience and hold the sacred and the profane and talking about what happened on the treadmill all together because veterans, you know, we're grimy, right? And we're very tender and have an innocent warrior inside of us, right? If we can hold that wholeness, and that's been the gift of this ceremony that we've been gifted in this way of life, mm. then, you know, there's hope for the world. Yeah. Um, about uh, what Mark was saying about that pliability, I mean, right, that's probably one of the reasons, right, you said you join the military to get out of a shit situation. You probably, some people might, but you might not do that if, like me, I grew up in a very loving household in an upper-class neighborhood with private schooling. I was, those pressures weren't forced on me, right? So it's it's kind of that same idea. It is. And um, hmm. I think there is also something about, uh, go on. Well, I was just going to say that 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 you did grow up in that environment. Were you also invited to talk about how you felt? Very much so. And I think that's what makes it much more tragic. There's a certain level of privacy I hold around uh, what happened with my brother just because I do have you know two other siblings and two parents. And, you know, whereas I'm a jackass and get on a microphone and yell every day, uh, they have their private lives. Um, yeah. But no, that's uh, without giving away too much privacy. That's what makes it all the more tragic is there was... I, I genuinely a thousand out of a thousand times would choose this incarnation again. I mean, I really, you know, it's not that I was born on third base. I was born an inch away from home plate. Like I had to do nothing to have a wonderful life and still have a wonderful life. Um, and that's what, but you know, so like after I lost my brother, I took me about two years to fall from, you know, being in great shape, getting into medical school, having the smoking hot girlfriend to, putting on, I think, exactly 67 pounds in two years, long, greasy hair, just a real slob, like literally stopped like brushing my teeth, didn't, wasn't employed, had no, nothing even resembling a sleep schedule. And um, mm -hmm. that helps me when talking to friends who I fear may be suicidal. Because before mm -hmm. I lost my brother, right, and the approach, and we've all done it, and we've all had the approach done to us is, hey, bro, I'm here if you need to talk, which is sweet, and I get the... You know, I do appreciate the notion, but it's also, you know, kind of completely worthless horseshit. It's much more valuable when instead of saying like, hey, bro, I'm here to talk, you know, you just call up your friend and be like, 
Yeah, man. I remember there was one day in July where it was just an average day that I woke up at a at you know two in the afternoon, drank a bottle of cough syrup, took a hit of acid, and that's just how I started my day. And it kind of catches them off guard. And they're like, what the "Fuck, did you just say?" And it's like, "So how are you doing, buddy?" And when you lower your threshold of vulnerability so low, it's like they almost feel like, well, I can't embarrass myself now. I mean, not even trying to, but we started this show with like, hey guys, thanks for doing this. I almost just shit my pants on the treadmill. Would that be a hate crime? Yeah. It immediately just kind of takes the air out of the room and you're like, I think it might be. Anyway, let's talk about suicide, right? So there is that kind of, do y'all feel that? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. It, it it reminds me in a lot of ways of, uh, you know, when I was new in this veteran service game and I was I was really experiencing the, the, the beginning or the entrance point to a lot of the healing that I've gotten to gotten to go through and experience. Uh, we were sitting down in the at, at the upper floor of the Washington Department of Veterans Affairs. Uh, and there's all these big wigs sitting around the table from, you know, uh, U.S. representatives, Congress senators, uh, people that represented different, you know, three letter agencies, state, federal uh, and they wanted to open a meeting talking about suicidal ideation and harm reduction in the state of Washington. And they opened this business meeting in business fashion with an agenda, you know, right to the fucking point, everything in square linear lines, you know, the same way that you would imagine in a, in a, in a corporate office building. And at, at one point, uh, being a very new and, and urgh, full of fucking vigor veteran, you know, I, I stood up and I was like, stop, yeah. stop what the fuck you're doing. We need to actually have a check-in. Yeah. We need to. I need to know how the people across from me are feeling right now in this moment. Did you sleep well last night? Did you get laid? Did you get in an argument with your partner? Did you wake up feeling shitty and not brush your fucking teeth? If we're gonna have a conversation about suicide, we need to stop following this fucking agenda because we're talking about a matter of the heart and a matter of the soul, right? Yeah. And that really, it was very impactful. So yes, right. authenticity. This is why we're talking, man. You know what I mean? It's like why in the vet, it's like why in our community we say I love you all the time because mm -hmm. we know every time we say I love you could be the last time. Mm -hmm. Right? It's why after, you know, after my tour in service and really finding a lot of good purpose and direction and all that kind of stuff afterwards, I still had a gaping hole in my soul, right? And that there was something was missing and that I could go out on a mission continues project or any other kind of thing out into the world. It looked like on the external facing, like I was the model transition veteran, but I had a gaping hole in my soul. And we know that we could be in conversation with a veteran on Sunday at a service project and on Tuesday they're gone. So we're not wasting any time. Yeah. Slow urgency, get to the heart of the matter. And what you brought up was this, you were like asking that question, how are you? Which usually like unloads this like biographical type of thing instead of like, how are you really? Yeah. What is really going on in your being? And if we can make, we can normalize that conversation, the sky's the limit. Yeah. That's how we're going to get out of this. And there really is like no... It's like in the Cold War when we whenever we'd come close to nuclear war, there'd be posturing and it's you know trillion dollar America versus trillion ruble Soviet Union and just big dick bravado and it's the highest echelon of the rarefied air of who's going to control the human civilization, and then whenever we get really close, you'd almost see like the exterior crack, right? Whether it's JFK having Bobby Kennedy go talk to Khrushchev or like Reagan trying to meet with Gorbachev and Reykjavik. There's this moment where everyone, or even that, that, that Russian sailor 
who was like told to fire on the on the embargo around Cuba and he told his mm-hmm. men to stand down. There's always this moment of everyone so it's like hold on. And it's kind of fascinating and I'm just realizing it now as I'm saying this is because that's suicide. It's global thermonuclear war. It's not mm-hmm. about should I kill this person, right? That's that's kind of accepted in warfare. Everyone's like hold on because this is my own death. And it is amazing that even the president in the middle of a nuclear bunker they can have that moment of am i ready to go over the edge because that's what this is and Mm -hmm. it's it's no and so even at those levels it trickles down to the quote-unquote lowest among us like us doing a a podcast right now as i'm trying not to shit my pants or being a president in a nuclear bunker in 1962 and i think we all have to be open to that and and realize that this is my logic so like when i was really suicidal i remember i decided to take as many uh as much psilocybin and lsd as i could i'd only done it like a couple times in my life and you know they say like a heroic dose is five dried grams or they say you know a big dose of lsd is what 200 300 micrograms and and i'd done it on maybe three occasions before Right. Once right when I finished college, and that's when I decided I didn't want to go to medical school. A second time on the one year anniversary of my older brother's suicide. They always say you should be in a good set and setting when you do drugs. And I always did the complete opposite. I was like, you know what a flutter and this podcast is just gonna be all over the place. Do you know what a flutter test is? It's like when an Airbus A three eighty or like a seven forty seven before they go into production, they take them. And they bring them down almost at a nosedive and they bring it up to like 0.99 Mach to see if the thing will break. Because they will never actually get that close in real life. So if they're safe at that, then they're safe for passengers. My logic was always like, let's do a flutter test. It's the one year anniversary of my older brother taking his life. Today's the day for acid. And you would go into that. And if you could survive that, and I did, you'd come out feeling much better. So... When I was suicidal, I mean, really, you know, had moved past ideation and, you know, the I wish I didn't wake up to like, how am I going to do this? Like, what's the actual plan? Like how, you know, what should I write down? I was like, all right, well, I'm about to pass the threshold of heaven and hell might be real. Like, all right, that's kind of a, it's kind of a big pill to swallow. Like what's on the other side? Like, oh shit. Like grandma might've been right. It might be fire and brimstone. It might be nothing. It might be some weird reincarnation. It might be like returning to the womb. Who knows? But whatever it is, hey, man, like it's past bluffing. It's past listening to an emo song and drinking. You're about to do this. Okay. So I took 1,250 micrograms of LSD, and I took about 30 dried grams of psilocybin, which I know sounds like horseshit, but I swear on my brother's life that's what I did. And I tripped dick for about 14 hours. And eventually I came to the conclusion from what little I remember at the peak, because I could barely understand the human language. And it was, if you don't survive this now, you're going to have to do it again. And I just couldn't shake that idea. It wasn't that there was punishment. It wasn't that there was reward. It was just like a very, just almost neutral but loving just like your, you know, your dad teaching you a lesson when you're a little kid. It was, it was God. I don't know what it was. It was just this kind of like, hey, if you do this, like a lot of people around you are going to be very hurt, and 
that's fine because they're in this incarnation too. But you, you have to come do this again. Like you have to retake the course. Mm-hmm. And it was so simple to me that I was like, well, I don't want to retake it. And so the next day in that complete state of vulnerability, I called my parents and was like, I, I have to come home. I have to, like, I'm not okay. And that's shooting up the flare. And so they came and got me and I had to go live at home from age 26 to 31, like a complete fucking loser. But I know I just ranted for like five minutes, but that's that's kind of my logic about all of this is you almost have to go to brinkmanship mm-hmm. to back down and go, I don't want to fire the missiles. I don't think you do either. Maybe mm-hmm. Ivan and Bob can talk it out. So I'm going to shut up now and let y'all talk. Yeah, we're going to have a lot in response to that. <laughs> so, I mean, I hear the story of, of a young man on the, in another podcast you had mentioned you'd opened your heart to God. Mm-hmm. That was and, after, yeah, talking to Charlie Duke in 2020. Yeah. So I, and I really like when you said that like that, Thank you. opened my heart up to you a little bit more and really excited and honored to be here. Is it? Another name for God is the gift of desperation, right? And when you, you're also speaking the language of ceremony, you're speaking the language of a rite of passage, you're speaking the language of a dark night of the soul, and that like, we have to go inwards. We have to. And the rite of passage that we hold in ceremonial and reverence out there for veterans on the land is 12 days and four days of fasting for people to truly go in and have what you have described, whether that's with... 30 grams of mushrooms and all this, you know, but you can do this thing with, with nature as well. And your own internal wisdom is a death and rebirth of your soul and your psyche. And that is what happened. And you've come out shaking off all that dust reborn and look where you are now. Look what you're doing. Yeah. So thank you for that. Yes, it's a great teaching. And there's a it's, a, it's a way to live actually. Anytime our shit comes up that no matter how much the defecation is hitting the rotary oscillator, there is a part of you and a light inside of you that has never been wounded mm-hmm. and is just screaming to be reborn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think about and, and reflect on your story and, and we share a lot of similarities, my friends. Um, and, I won't in this moment go into detail about my own personal explorations with psychedelics um, and that place of desperation that you speak of where I'm faced with a decision. We're faced with a decision. Do I, do I take, do I take the ultimate plunge into the great unknown, the great, uh, the the great mystery um, through, through means of, of physically harming myself in a way that I can't come back from uh, or, or do I do I in, do I jump off into a voyage of the great unknown that absolutely terrifies and scares the shit out of me, seeking the answers and or some clarity on some stuff that's causing me extreme amounts of distress, and and that's what a vision fast is. It is ninety six hours of complete entire alone time with no food, no cell phones no distractions, no refrigerator, no sex, no no shopping, none of, none of the things that we binge on or otherwise occupy our idle time with uh, to escape. And so there were there on the land with without distraction, in complete and utter silence, left to everything that goes on in here, right? It's terrifying to most of us and it should be. Yeah. 
And going into that psychedelic, that heavily medicine involved psychedelic experience that you're talking about, I'm assuming, and you correct me if I'm wrong, you were also looking for pieces of your depression, your anxiety, your fear, your suicidal ideation to die. You were looking to loose pieces of those things that no longer served, right? These defense mechanisms, these coping mechanisms, these maladapted coping mechanisms, you know, the gaining of the weight, the greasy hair, the not getting up out of bed, the not brushing your teeth. Like that shit has to fucking die. Yeah. Yeah. So we embark on these journeys as Ryan talked about either with medicine, right? We call, we call psychedelics medicine or on this epic journey of self-discovery and self-exploration through 96 plus hours of fasting alone because it's terrifying and yet we need to go through the ordeal you know joseph campbell talks about this in the hero's journey you know we hear the call yeah the and the call, vast man. majority of us humans refuse the call but when we answer the call we have to climb down into the depths of the dragon's cauldron yeah. right into this scary mucky nasty place in order to find the gems, the jewels, and the mystery and the magic that we're seeking that makes life meaningful again, lest we either continue to live as lazy, you know, hiding human beings down in the bottom of the, the, the room somewhere surrounded by piss bottles and pizza boxes staring at a pistol wondering what it would taste like in our mouth. Yeah. So my hat's off to you, bro, for going big and diving deep. Well, I want to give you a shout out too. Just something in that story. You'll notice that, like, if we were sports announcers, I'm the play-by-play. -play, that's the color commentator. So yeah. we're good. Yeah, I'm, and I'm the guy. So, that, I'm so the guy Tommy, that, sorry, I was gonna say I'm the guy that's calling in, and you guys have the terminate button yeah. on standby. Uh, you're like, if he starts, if he brings up the treadmill, hit it, turn it off. Yeah, <laughs> you're good. So I want to capture something in your story, and that you express some like shame around, and I want to, I want to alchemize and turn that around. Thank you for surrendering. And thank you for going home. Thank you for giving your parents that purpose mm -hmm. and know their value in your life. And that we, our whole journey is about coming home, coming home to here and coming home into community. And there's this line right here. It's actually in the, the heroes thousand faces. It's like, we do this thing for the renewing of ourselves and the renewing of the earth and the renewing of community. And we have gifts to share and you're sharing them. And that's what that's our message to veterans in the community is you are needed you've been to the extremities of the human condition there is a way with that you can come into yourself that is a rite of passage that is your birthright as as particularly as someone who's been initiated again and again and again military service and in life and this is a human ceremony mm -hmm. to to be into that place before even you go to the va for services that it, we're not new age we're ancient mm -hmm. you know no. Ah, I'm feeling a bubbling, 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 bubbling. Not in the guts, bro. Yeah. And yeah. and and you actually you have to keep bringing that story about almost shatting yourself all over the the, the deal because I mean again so we, we talk like that too. It was. So and that close. is the wholeness of the human experience. You know what I mean? Uh, something that's coming up for me in this moment, you know, as we're talking about suicidal ideation and and the act of suicide, the loss and the despair that individuals, including myself, it sounds like you, Tommy, I know Ryan's been there. A lot of the people that we work with go to and go through is like, 
from from our account as veterans, and this is directly applicable to the civilian world as well, right? When we when we enter basic training or boot camp to become a soldier, sailor, airman, marine, coast guard individual, we're we're coming on board at 17 to 21 years of age. The frontal lobe of the brain's not totally developed. The roots of identity are just beginning to form. And the Department of Defense has crafted a really beautiful model on how to remove those individual roots of identity and insert the necessary mechanisms, right? And, and ways of being such that we can function well within the confines of our unit, our, our duty station, and within the roles and responsibilities of our specific jobs, right? The, 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 the way that we live in Western society does the same thing. We, we grow up, whether it's, you know, regardless of the household that we grow up in, it's about you got to do well in school, you got to go to college, you got to get some kind of trade education, and then you move on to employment. And you're employed for what, right? To make money, to support a household, but you're, you know, and, and that's the deal, right? And generationally, and I'm not talking about your family specific, but I am talking about something that um, that is true for many of us. And that is that we're not taught to talk about how we feel about things. We're not taught to to properly resolve conflicts. We're not taught how to, you know, uh, move through life in a way that is harmonious with individuals whom we have disagreements with. Right. So where I'm going with this is coming back around to the Department of Defense and, and creating and cultivating a warrior culture, we go into the service, those roots of identity are removed, the new pieces and components are inserted, and then through years of, of on-the-job training and different uh, trade craft that we go through in relation to our specific jobs, warriors are built. And it doesn't matter if it's a warrior pushing a pen or putting staples in a piece of paper or a warrior kicking down a door with a rifle, right? We all know what the ultimate reason is that we joined and how things could go if the moment ever came that we needed to take up arms. We're all combatants. So we're initiated and indoctrinated into the largest warrior culture on the planet. The problem is that within that context and that framework and in that world, Ryan and I know exactly who we are, we know what our purpose is, and we know through the different things that we've experienced what gifts we have to share as leaders within that world. When we exit service, there is no initiatory process to return us and or to give back those pieces of ourselves that were taken away from us at 17 to 21 years of age. So when we exit service, regardless of whether we're an officer, served two years, four years, 25 years, if we were enlisted, stapling papers, going to combat, not going to combat, we don't know who the fuck we are. We have forgotten and or lost sight of our purpose on the planet, and we don't know what gifts we have to share with other people. That equals hopelessness, despair, oppression, suicidal ideation, drug addiction, and, and ultimately removing ourselves from the planet because there's no way to remember. So just while I'm on this rant, and I'll bring it to a close, we as a society, we as a species on the planet, when we were tens of thousands of years ago, across continents, running around barefoot in the woods, chasing animals from season to season, moving through different pastures, we had a connectivity with the outside world, whether we call that God, Buddha, Allah, it doesn't matter. Whether we call it the magic unicorn fairy dust that binds the fabric of the universe together, we had a connectivity with the living world around us, right? That equaled wholeness. And we have lost that. And that to me 
the the idea of not having a sense of purpose and belonging of not having a sense of 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 real community and how to be in community with other people and not knowing what our specific gifts are is is a trifecta of a combination that leads to death and we need these rites of passage we need this this return to ceremony and ritual in order to awaken the things that are deeply buried within the marrow of our bones and our dna like that massive psychedelic experience that you had i know that that was a massive awakening we could do fucking 25 podcasts on that shit and still not cover it all right but that's the ceremony that ryan and i are up to that's the ceremony of veteran rights that so many other people who are not sitting on this call are up to is taking that step to get barefoot and fucking naked on the earth to reclaim who we are and to reconnect with that sense of connectivity with this massive living world around us. And I'll Beautiful put that mic down. Yeah, that's Mark. Nice to meet him. There's only one. And so briefly, and, and to follow up on that, there's a couple of things in there, this wholeness thing right this was revolutionary for me as a veteran look I'm, i was from the shadows of like las vegas strip right this nature thing was completely new to me i've gone from neon to nature and it required an initiation some beautiful teachings around wholeness and that we're not broke we're not something to be fixed we just need to nourish and bring into balance those and in our harmony those aspects of ourselves that we've suppressed usually by no fault of our own right that teaching around wholeness and i think what mark is getting to as well is that look this world is burning down Right. In lots of different kinds of ways. Right. The spiral, it's all happened. And we, we talk gently like, well, let's just lay it down gently mm -hmm. and let's lay it down one circle at a time the right way. Is it because you have uninitiated kids mm -hmm. running all of the systems of the world that are not connected with their true self, not connected with their vulnerability and haven't come home to one of our greatest teachers of all the thing that holds it, all the magic fairy dust this nature thing. Mm -hmm. And that's what Stephen Foster and Meredith Little, they started experimenting with and bringing this back and with others. And then our mentor, Larry Hobbs, and then getting it on board with John Crary and veteran rights and mm -hmm. Sarah Harris and so many of the others coming back to being fully initiated and human. And then just one day at a time, stepping into vulnerability and wholeness from that place, mm -hmm. then we can create the systems. Mm -hmm. So what is happening right here on this call, your journey is a big part of it. Your journey is part of our journey in this great unfolding of truth and authenticity. Mm -hmm. And then dare I say, compassion, mm -hmm. love, God, tenderness, and humility. Yeah. There's, um, there's, um, so everything we're saying is is beautiful and nice and i but i always try to remind myself of like people who are in the depths right now yeah. are listening to this and they're like yeah that's all well and good what the fuck do i do so yeah um well i guess i can only speak from my experience and one of the things i kind of saw at i mean i don't even know what that wasn't even a psychedelic trip i don't even know what that was i, I barely held on to earth but another <laughs> thing i remember was that it was this realization that it's not that we can't escape death. It's that I get to die. And that mm -hmm. sounds kind of depressive mm -hmm. and nihilistic, but it's the exact opposite. Like every, every day, the first thing I do when I wake up is I, is I make my bed. And, uh, and I know mm -hmm. no matter how, maybe the day is awesome. Maybe I'm killing it at the gym, flirting with a hot chick, do some great podcasts, get a ton of subscribers, you know, just, everything's just hitting it. And that's, and that's great. Or the day can be just awful, just just terrible. 
but I always know. And then behind me, that's my my gaming video. That's my gaming chair. You can't see it, but that's the gaming TV. I know that no matter how just shit fuck the day is, at the very end of it, I can put on a big baggy sweatshirt, big baggy <laughs> sweatpants, sit in my gaming chair. I don't even have to talk to anybody. I don't have to play with friends. I can just turn something on mindless, just fly a fighter jet around. Doesn't matter. And then I can go get in bed, blinds closed, big comforter, turn on the bedside fan, and go to sleep. And no matter how fucked the day is, I always know that I can just go lay down, relax your knees and your shoulders, put on an audiobook, and just drift off. And, you know, even when, you know, if you're like a you know, driving to go visit friends or something in college, and it's a 12-hour drive, and everyone's pissed at each other, and, you know, you blew a tire, and you forgot your fucking this and that and the other thing. And then when you finally get to, like, how much the University of Georgia, when you finally get to Panama City, all of a sudden, like, all the aggression stops. And, you like, you step out, you can, like, hear the ocean, and you're, like, like we're so Ooh. tired, like, I just failed my exam. But it's, like, you just crack a beer, and you're, like, oh, we're here. You know, everyone's noticed that at the end of a long like just brutal trip how quickly the vibe can change when you get to the hotel room and it's like oh we're here and you have a drink you're like hey dude sorry for getting angry at you you're like dude it's fine i was pissed too and you're just and it's like instantly there's a whole mm -hmm. vibe you're all screaming at each other and then you finally get to the hotel you lay down you pour a drink and you're like let's get some let's get let's order some, order some food the reason i'm saying all that is is you get to die when it's all over, you get to die. So why rush it with suicide? Because you get to die. You might say, well, the reason I'm rushing is because I'm in so much pain. I want to go to sleep now. I want to get in the made bed now. I get it. I've been there. There's a liberation. Like, you can go do anything now. When, you, when you're 70 pounds overweight, addicted to benzos and living above your parents' garage and your girlfriend leaves you and all your friends stop talking to you and you have no social life for five years, Man. you no longer give a shit what people think of you. You might, I don't know, start a podcast and just talk to whoever you want. You don't care anymore because the alternative is death. And it is mm -hmm. completely liberating. So you might say, I want to go to bed now. Hey, you're going to die anyway. Why not just wing it? Why not just, you know, you're already going to fail the test. Might as well circle in all the bubbles and just bullshit your way and see if you can pass. So, like, yeah, I'm going to fucking die. Everyone, no one likes me. Maybe I want to take up landscaping. Why not? The alternative is I'm, I'm going to shoot myself. Fuck it. Let's go. And it's completely liberating. And even if the landscaping doesn't work, hey, guess what? You still get to die one day. That's how I look at it. So, despite everything we're saying about all the beautiful journeys and everything... That's what I mean. It's to the person who's just desperate. Like, yeah, shoot your shot, dude. Go go try to get the hot girl's number. It's it's 158. The bar closes in two minutes. Fuck do you have to lose? You're going to go home and jerk off anyway. Go ask her. She might be taken aback by your confidence. Go for it. So, like, that's kind of my logic is the desperation is completely liberating. So don't take your life. Like, go fucking wing it. Just go wing it. Fuck Tommy, cares. I appreciate that, but something's coming up for me right now, bro. I'm gonna be like real with you. Okay, um, we work day in and day out to bring very sick and sad 
and desperate people that are sick and tired of being sick and tired that have been through fucking hell. Right. So it is, we have a, our mentor, Larry says, trust the ceremony. Right. And it comes when it comes, when you're ready to unhatch, you're ready to unhatch. But you said something within your story there as well is that you had to serve. You're serving through this podcast. So there was that, that death and rebirth and that you have to die. We actually, when people go out, we say, Hey, today's a good day to die. You have to die to be reborn. And that is just part of the process. And so I think what was coming up for me there is like, there's a lot of like, as a veteran with PTSD, anxiety, who's been addicted, who's very much an alcoholic, who's all the other kind of things. When someone says like, has an opinion or rationalization, because you know, when your, your physiology cannot access the resources to respond to that shit. Mm -hmm. So the best you can do is be an example to lend space, to give the gift of presence, not advise, not counsel, not be holier than thou, but to say, hey, and really just fucking stop and open your heart and listen. And you had mentioned in your story as well that once you got to the beach, I was like, yay, nature. Once you got to the beach in the ocean, like, and for many of us that were prescribed like a cocktail of medications mm -hmm. before we even had the chance to figure out who we were and all these other kind of things and know who we were without those things, that I could take nature as a prescription. Like how would this conversation have been today had we said, look, let's all go take a walk in nature for an hour mm. with an intention and then come back. How much like slower mm. and grounded and all that kind of stuff. And it is what it is and it's perfect. So that's what we practice too. Mm. The ceremony, the death and rebirth, but we also just practice how to be in council how to really deeply listen in a world where everyone knows the fucking answers, how we can create spaces that hold the polarity without becoming polarized. And to be a little, you know, we heal with men and women, non-binary, whatever you identify with, all of humans, and that coming home in nature as nature, most people agree with nature, right? If we could like spiral into that place and then come out, then we can really feel who we are as witnesses to each other's journey and that's it so yeah. thank you man i, I, I love you i love right. you too yeah tommy you asked a question about like why you know you were talking about uh if you you have you had reached a place where you found understanding and a place of actual like acceptance with the reality of we get to die right and and it sounded like you were also presenting it in a way of like, why, why commit suicide, right? Why commit suicide when we know we're going to die? And so knowing that we're going to die and knowing that we're going to get to die means that we actually can write whatever fucking narrative or script we want. We can go out and dance. We can try on a dress. We can like, well, and I'm making, you know, like whatever it is that we want to do. Right. And I, I guess I would ask the question to you of when you were in the depths of your despair and depression and eating and letting your hair grow out and not brushing your teeth pre massive, you know, psychedelic load and calling for help for your parents. I mean, did you know that you could go out and engage in landscaping? Were you in a place where you were going to go up to the hottie with your greasy hair and your nasty mouth and be like, Hey, you want to, you, can I get you a cup of coffee? No, in there, the, the, you're in such a, 
your blinders are on so tight. You're not even thinking about, what do I care? Why don't I get, I mean, you are, you're like, what time is it? It's 4 p.m., okay. If I go get food, I can eat, and then my belly will be full, and maybe I can go back to bed, even though I've been awake mm-hmm. for, like, there's no, yeah, like, the, there, there's a book I remember reading, I don't remember what it was about, but it's like, you're looking at a dog and you're going, oh, a dog's life. It just lays around in the sun all day. If I could only be a dog. And then it describes you, you becoming a dog. But as you become the dog, your brain becomes less complex and you have less grasp of reality around you. And you and at, when you become the dog, you're not appreciating being the dog. You have all these fears of, of where's my owner? Who, who's mm-hmm. walking by? I'm scared. Mm-hmm. I'm hungry. I'm, I'm... And they go and the dog goes, oh, to only be an insect. And it goes down and as it becomes, but it doesn't have the brain to appreciate that it's an insect. So like we're talking now about something where like the, the actual brain act, I would argue is like an MR, MR and I would show that the activity is probably greatly reduced. You're, Mm -hmm. you're not going, there's no rational of like, well, I was smart enough to get into medical school. I want to die anyway. I might as well. No, I mean, you're going I was smart enough to get into medical school. I'm smart enough to get this guy to give me weed for less money. Like that's your, mm-hmm. you are just, you are, you are just, you are an animal responding to scent, water, food, yep. fuck, eat, kill, run, I, fight. Yep. There's I, no, yep. there's no, yep. I, I don't, I, I, and it so it makes no sense then. Then how did that turn? I, I don't know. Maybe you got to go to the absolute oblivion before it just opens up and maybe there's a moment of adrenaline of going, Oh, I'm no longer looking for pills. Now I'm talking about death. Maybe there's a moment that opens your mind to go. But even then I didn't, I had that in the, like the psychedelic moment. But even then when I, when I called my mom, cause it, we had been flirting, you know, they had been trying to get me to come home. I don't want to fucking come home. And there's just a moment of, it wasn't even like, I'm going to go home and rebuild my life like the mind had become even smaller and it was, and not to like disrespect the severity of that moment, but what I imagine it would be like for rational, educated men and women to jump to their deaths from the world trade center, the vision. And when you can't understand that, go open an oven and put your hand in for a second. It's not that you go, ow, it's just reflexive. Somebody touches you on the shoulder and you jump. You're not thinking, should I jump? You just jump, right? Go near a fire. You get too close. You have become the smallest point of consciousness. So how can someone with a family and a well-paying job look down a thousand feet below a pavement and go, this is the choice? They're not thinking. And I obviously I can't speak for them, but you just, at that point, it's impulse. And that's kind of where it was for me is... Mm. I probably mm. called home because it was easier than suicide. It's probably because I didn't have a gun nearby. It was just like, I could get a gun, but my phone's right here. It was just the easiest thing. So I was just, I need to come home suicidal. And I knew once I did that, I'd shot the flare. It was over. If there was no, at that point, my parents would have kicked in the fucking door and taken me, even, even though I was a grown man and it was illegal. They would have kidnapped me. Mm. And, and so, you know, that's kind of a shitty conclusion because what if you don't have that person to reach out to? If you don't have parents that can bring you home, I mean, in that moment, just shoot a text to a friend. Don't even just, just say, 
I'm, I'm going to kill myself. It doesn't matter who it is. I guarantee you that friend will drop whatever the fuck they're doing. Even if you say I'm depressed, you know, I'll, I'll get back to you tonight. I got I, If you get a text from someone that says, I'm, I'm going to kill myself, I guarantee you that person will drop anything and go, where are you? You're nine states away. I am going to call 911. I'm coming to get you tomorrow. You can come stay with me. We'll tackle next week when it gets here. We'll tackle next month when it gets here. When I did that to move home, I remember when I moved home, uh, I was telling my girlfriend, I was like, my parents, you know, they're saying that I have to stay for at least two weeks, or they have to say I have to stay for three weeks, and I, I don't think I want to do more than two weeks. I stayed there for 200, what, what's 52 times five? 252, I'd say there for 260 weeks. Lost the girlfriend, lost the friend. Not even, I moved home when Obama was president and left when Biden was president. <laughs> like, that whole thing is, but I didn't plan on that. It was just go home. And then it was a reverse. It was the insect becoming the dog, becoming the human. I slowly, I mean, through years, I mean, almost like Oedipus or Odysseus or whoever the fuck went on the journey, like years of rebuilding trying writing, trying video editing, trying comedy, trying graphic design, just gaining weight, losing weight, gaining weight, lo- just year- therapy, getting close, just fucking it up, almost moving out, fucking it up, just so close. And then finally just started the podcast and it was just, I'd been pushing the weight just far enough that I finally got it over the top of the hill and it just started rolling a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then it, I started to go, well, you know, if I'm going to do a podcast, well, I got to be talking to people. I can't be tired. So I got to get good sleep. Well, I get good sleep. Well, I kind of get anxious when I drink coffee, but I really want coffee. I remember from college that if I lift weights first, I don't get anxious. All right, might as well start lifting weights. You start doing it more and more, and you're like, well, I can't have this guy on sound like an idiot. I probably got to read up about him. I got to start studying. I can't play video games right now. I got to read this book. And then you you know, go a couple hundred episodes. You're like, I'm on camera every day. Maybe I should lose some weight because I got this chipmunk looking face. Oh, I should probably have a haircut. Oh, I should probably brush my teeth. I should probably put on clean clothes because you can tell if it's wrinkled or if it's clean. And it just spirals and spirals and spirals. And I started the podcast on December 12th, 2019. We're in the 39th month, 1,122nd episode. And it's still spiral to it's like i should probably save money i should probably start looking into like insurance so i should probably find out a better way to budget i should probably learn about this i should probably learn like the tax code maybe i should start going to a gym outside instead of the one in my building maybe start meeting girls that makes you feel better you might shit on the treadmill all right we hit a speed bump bring it back and you just you keep going and developing and developing so a very long-winded answer to your question no there was no rational thought in that moment it came down to do I want to burn alive or do I want to jump? And my phone was jumping. So I called my mom and said, I have to come home. Mm-hmm. Instantly regretted it. I was like, fuck, I have to go home now. But it's led to this moment. <clears throat> Sorry, I, I know I just rambled for like 10 minutes. Well, that was that was a beautiful no, story. <laughs> yeah, it was beautiful because the actually the way you were talking about this, this the, the mind just fucking circling again, 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 and moving the milepost of success and victory. Mm-hmm. And what we say out there on the land is like, it's where you turn from a human doing into a human being. Who is Tommy without the podcast? Who is Tommy out you know, alone with no one looking and, and, and looking at you and validating and all this, right? That's the tough mm. shit. And that's what I, that's what we really sit with out there. Right. And it's so important for our community because as we define ourselves by our achievements, what we're doing, all this other kind of stuff of just to be like, I love myself for who I am. Yes. You know, when I when I hear a veteran 
you know, who like has all the plans to change the world and start a nonprofit and all this or that. And after four days, he comes back with like, I just want to be a loving father. Because isn't that enough? Yes. And that's the long game mm -hmm. that we're talking about. And and as a mirror to just what you presented there, man, boy, is that the veteran's journey. Mm -hmm. I mean, just again, keep trying these things on, going and going and going. And even when you get initiated, you know, we have people three or four years down the road are like, I mean, they, they kind of like, you don't hear from them for a year. And they're like, whoa, I had no idea that like what I did and like what you did that time with that psilocybin that went into the dark night and that transformational journey that years and years it will develop because the living is not in the knowing, mm -hmm. right? It's in the doing and in the mystery. So it's beautiful, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's your brother's name? I'm sorry. My other brother's name was John. Thank you. Yeah. Um, it just feels like, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, and that's kind of another, another thing is, yeah. Right. When you start, like right when I moved home, I was like, I'm going to start charities. I'm going to fix mental health. And then the next day you're like, maybe let's put on clean socks. And like, even yeah. now, you know, Ram Dass, who I'm sure you guys have heard of or no, yeah, love him. I loved his, his thing. He goes, he's, you know, I, in his, only his voice. He's like, you know, I was, a, I was a chair of four departments at Harvard. I had a Mercedes Benz and a Cessna and I was skinny dipping with models in the Bahamas in an apartment in a penthouse. But every once in a while I'd be alone at night in the bathtub with no one's eyes to look into to tell me how great I was. Right. And that's, I've been meditating every day since 2008. And when the podcast is over and there's no one like, sick show, dude, or you're looking at views and subscribers and getting your little dopamine hits, it's just you. And I can say for really probably only in the last six months, for the first time since 2014 when I lost my brother, I can actually, in the silence, just be like, I like you, Tommy. You're you're a cool mm -hmm. dude. It's just mm -hmm. you and me. Hey, fuck the podcast. Fuck everything else. Mm. You're a cool dude. And mm -hmm. just to me, that is like, hell yeah. And then mm -hmm. you do the podcast. And, you know, and we're living in this world. And, of course, we're doing learning all the lessons and the podcast and the whatever the fuck. And, but when you get really silent, and it's scary. I've meditated thousands of times. It's still scary to turn off the phone mm. and go, you can't look at memes. Can't look at the hot girl. Oh, she's sending you pictures of her ass. No, 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 no. Where am I? What am I? I'm just here. Okay. This is cool. Okay. And that's the key of it all, is not to build the nonprofit that changes the world. You come back and you go, I want to be a good dad. You just go, you know what? I'm a good sibling. Hey, yeah, I call my friend. I know I'm a good brother. And you go, that's that's cool enough. And then if you want to build on top of it, you can build on top of it. But there, it's very cool to go. Mm. You know, I keep my apartment clean. <laughs> I'm, I'm proud of that. And you just move forward from there. And yeah, that is the... And then you never actually... When you're depressed, you always feel like there's going to be this moment when you cure it. And I'm almost 40 months into the podcast. And there's never been a moment of like, I made it. You're still just in this constant. Like, Good. You're yeah. still just in this constant. Right. Like, yeah, you got to keep working. Got to awesome. keep working. Yeah. And a year from now, I know I'll be looking at 
if I could see me a year from now, I'd be like, that guy's such a boss. And if I could go talk to that guy, he'd be in his mind going, fucking make it better, make it better, make it better, more efficient, cleaner, faster, stronger. And it's just, it's an endless journey to infinity to just keep going. So then what's the purpose of all of it? Ultimately, the purpose is to take your shit experience and make sure someone else has a life raft. That's the, mm-hmm. that's the, if anyone talk, wants to take one sentence away from the whole podcast is to take your horse shit. You're an explorer. You went and saw everything and half your shipmates got like raped to death by Indians or something. Hey, at least go back to like Britain and be like, hey, there's, there's a new continent over there. It's kind of cool. Take your journey from hell and come back. And if you see someone else hurting, be like, yo, you don't, I can, spoiler alert, I can tell you, it's, it's just shit. You know, come with me. Let's not, let's not go down the, the trail of shit. Sorry, I know I keep talking. Mark, we haven't heard from you in a while. Say something. Ha! Ah, thank you, Mark. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. There's a lot there. Yeah. I, I really like how, how you present it, and, and I'll comment on it, because, because you asked the question a while back, what can our listeners, you know, what can the listeners or the, or the people who are sitting alone in the dark, you know, in those depths of despairs do, right? And and we've talked about it here today. We've talked about, you, you've talked about, Tommy, like you, you were in that place. And for you, it was a massive, you know, dose of, 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 of multiple psychedelic substances. You know, for us, we're talking about, you know, stepping out on the land and doing something wild and crazy that's been in existence for tens of thousands of years that that humans are forgotten about, you know? And, and so, so if we're feeling desperate, if we're feeling alone, if we're feeling in a place of suicidal ideation and depression, and we're, and we're walking the razor's edge between one, one more day and another, and we're listening to this podcast and we're sharing this podcast with other people, uh, is to get up and do something fucking bold, bold, whatever it is, that's nonviolent. Yeah. Right. I'm not talking about engaging in like, sure all that stuff. I don't need to talk about it. I'm talking about do something that is completely fucking outlandish. Take a bunch of psychedelics, you know, research on the internet, some shit in South America and go see a shaman running around barefoot serving ayahuasca, you know, like, or, 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 or research, you know, outside the box, non-traditional forms of, of, of harm reduction and, and, and suicidal ideation and, and go do that thing. You know what I mean? Whatever it is that's speaking to you, like take that last ounce of energy that you've got, that we've got left and squeeze the fuck out of it until it drop forms and let that drop hit the ground and then go do that thing. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Cause I can really relate to your story in a lot of ways. Like I, you know, veteran rights wasn't born overnight. I, I was sitting in a hotel room in Sacramento, California in front of a pile of methamphetamines with a big old fucking needle. And I was wondering, you know, if I push this hot dose, how quickly am I going to fucking die? And am I going to experience some kind of euphoric rush before that happens? Hell yeah. You know, and then it was this little voice inside, you know, that was reminiscent of something that I experienced in basic training that was like, come on, private, you can do it, baby. Rock steady, which I would imagine in some ways was something like your 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 heavy psychedelic experience. There was something in that incoherent experience that said, Tommy, yes, death is going to happen. It's OK. We get to do it. Just not right now. And so after that experience, you called the phone, you picked up the phone, which was closer than the gun, and you called your mom. And begrudgingly, nobody wants to step off on a fucking vision fast and spend 96 hours alone in the wilderness not eating with minimal fucking shelter. Are you crazy? Nobody wants to sit down in front of a pile of fucking mushrooms that's 30 grams in size. Like, thinking about the shit flavor in my mouth from 30 grams of mushrooms? Like, come on, bro. 
right? And that's a bold step. It's squeezing the last drop out of life and saying, I'm doing this thing come hell or high water because I don't have any fucking choice left. You know, and so when I hear that and I got back up off the couch and I and I and I got engaged, you know, I started working with a therapist, as you talked about. And just like your story, that therapist was like, yo, man, I know you want to save the world. I know you want veterans to stop killing themselves. I know you want to make a difference in this world. And why don't you just get up this morning, make your bed, brush your teeth, and then sit down and think about what the rest of the day looks like. Hmm. And the beauty of what you're sharing is, and it's really, I hope that a lot of veterans and a lot of people hear this, there's no magic pill. That massive psychedelic experience, that vision quest ceremony, you know, the the things that we get involved in, they're not going to be the be all, do all, end all. This thing that we're in in this body is a fucking grind. And it literally just involves putting one foot in front of the other. You know, that weird fat dude that we always put money on his belly in the Chinese restaurant, you know, said it years ago when he went on this on this on this lifelong journey to figure out, you know, how to end suffering only to find that life is fucking suffering. That's it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Again, Ram Dass, Ram Dass's approach on suffering is like, so, you know, Buddha came back to his buddies and said, all right, well, number one, life is suffering. And he goes, that's a big one. Uh. That's a big one to swallow. What do you mean it's suffering? Yeah, no, no, whole thing's fucked. But Buddha, no, 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 it's just shit up and down forever. But that, that, that surrender. You go, oh, what? <laughs> when does the movie end? The movie goes forever. Oh, okay. And uh, to to kind of pivot is like another thing I did is starting the day I started the podcast, and I've pulled it up on here so many times before, December twelfth, twenty nineteen. I started an Excel sheet on my phone and uh, it literally just started with TPC mm. episodes and uh, and like you and so 12 12 19 I have done one episode by 12 16 19 I had done three episodes and then I started at well I got banned from YouTube so I had to get rid of that column but then there's just other stuff like uh, BitChute subscribers Rumble subscribers Spotify plays and the and the columns just they start to just you know Run mm-hmm. together. They start to just hold on. Where is it? Come on, making me look like an idiot. Phone. Yeah, they just start to everyone. Boom. That every yep. line. That's a twenty-four hour period. Every single one. Mm. How many lines are we on now? One thousand. One thousand seventy-four lines every day, mm. and every once in a while, there's a cool bump. But instead, every day you just go. It's not growing. It's not doing. None of this is happening. Because right now, this talk we're having, it's it's very inspirational. It's motivational. But like that quote says, motivation's like hygiene. It only lasts for a little while. Like, mm-hmm. So you have to come down to the concrete and go, okay, my New Year's resolution was to work out, but now I'm on day four and I'm kind of tired and I don't look like Schwarzenegger yet. So you have to have something that's very concrete and like, what can I do? And so what I would tell people is to start an Excel sheet and just make a metric of anything. Put a dollar in a jar every day. Do your laundry. Do one push-up. And just track it. And just track it and track it and track it. And when you look at it, you can see it adding up and adding up. And then the key is when you start to see things go exponential. It took me six months to break 1,000 views on Spotify. It took me 18 months to get to 10,000. And then it took a year to get to 100,000. And then it took six months to get to 200,000. You go, holy fuck, it's growing. It's growing fast. Mm -hmm. 
but you can't see it. You're in the moment. It's so small. You're laying one line of bricks a day. You're not seeing the Empire State Building, where that's limestone, technically not bricks. Fuck off. But it's building and building and building. Do something tangible. Just whatever it is. I've made my bed 90 out of the last 100 days. And then that sounds like nothing. And then you go, well, what else could I do? Uh, what if I read a page of a book a day? And then a year goes by and you go, I read a book about the Cold War. And you go, fuck yeah, I didn't even have to do it for school. And you just start adding more and more things. And there really is something in that. So when the motivation wears off and you wake up tomorrow and you realize you're still fat and alone, start keeping track. And I promise you, you will just, it will start to grow. And it will grow and grow and grow. And then on days when you're, and I still get depressed, I still get sad, podcast isn't working fast enough, it's not working, how come I'm not Joe Rogan yet? And then you look at it and you go, oh, it's grown 10 times in the last year. And you go, all right, mm-hmm. I just got to get to next year. Mm-hmm. And you go, fuck yeah. And it keeps you going. So you can start to actually look in the rearview mirror and you're, or you can look down, I don't know, you're climbing a snowy mountain and you can look down and see your footsteps going all the way down to base camp then it starts to propel you forward because you go, I already did all that. Just keep going and going and going. Sorry, I know I keep talking a lot. Hey, it's on me. Like, um, yeah, I love Ron Doss almost. I fall asleep to that dude like every night. And so look, and the fact of life is this, like some days you're going to feel like Ron Doss and other days you're going to feel like Ram Dass. And that's just the fact, right? And then there's just something here to to what you're offering as well. Just this, if you just adjust your sights a little bit, we as veterans know the trajectory of that bullet is going to like in life, mm-hmm. right? So that's a beautiful offering. And then there has to come a time. We're story people, right? Mm-hmm. So like Larry shares a story about when he was in sobriety and his sponsor said, well, what are you going to, you know, because he was in like that mind thing. Like, what do I do? What are, eh? He says, well, here's your options. You can go down. And you can come wash my car or you can go down the street and wash somebody else's car. And instantly, if you do that thing, you get out of the thing because in our teaching and in life, just it is Mm -hmm. at some point, get the fuck out of yourself Mm -hmm. and serve other people. Go volunteer. If you do something, buy some flowers, write a note to your mom, pick up that 10,000 pound. Yeah, you can do something bold and something Mm -hmm. bold may just be picking up that big ass phone and saying, hey, how are you doing? Mm -hmm. At some point, we got to make, like you say, that alchemy of the giveaway to others. Yeah, because that's that's just the deal. Yeah, that's just the deal. And you're doing it. You're doing it with this podcast. and It's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. This is wild. I'm trying to tell you. It's like fully human. It said like God. I think Meister Eckert said like, "What'd you put in that tea, bro?" Yeah, right. I know. I gave us both. I gave God is the human acid. being. God is the human being being fully alive. Yeah. yeah, we're about suicide prevention. But I was committing slow suicide until I knew that like I was worthy of worthy and belonging out in ceremony of having survived my time in service and in life. And we're all just deeply seeking those core things of love, belonging. And knowing that we belong here on earth and we have a right and we have gifts to give. So let's just just do a little bit more of that fully human thing, being fully alive. Because I'm not in the, I worked in getting veterans homes. I worked in veteran homelessness for a long time. And we could get them housing, but they'd grab a tent 
and then they put it on a balcony and go sleep in it. That will to live to truly come home here, that's what we're about. So when I hear like a veteran with six deployments to Afghanistan and Iraq, and he's like, I want to be a pastry chef. Fuck yes. Yeah. Like, let's nourish <laughs> that dream, yeah. you know? So um, I'm just going to bring in Felicia out in ceremony. She had a thing on her hat. It said, follow your arrow. Mm-hmm. Follow your arrow. And if that's just one little march step mm-hmm. at a time, you're doing great, kid. You're yeah. doing great. Yeah. It's. Yeah, fucking Ramdas. When he when he describes doing that doing the mushrooms with Timothy Leary, and he goes, I was sitting there on the couch, and the rug began to crawl, and the pictures began to smile, all of which delighted me. And then, off in the distance, I saw me with a cap and gown, and it was Professor Richard. And I went, Well, he's over there, and I'm over here. That can't be me. All right, well, I'll let it go. I still do a lot of other stuff. He goes, and then I saw Lover Richard, and then I saw Scuba Diving Richard, and Pilot Richard, and Cellist. Yeah, I'll let them all go. And then I saw my name, and I went, I don't need to be Richard. I can be anybody. I can be Bob. All right. And then I looked down at my body, and I went, I still got my body. And then with great horror, I saw my legs begin to disappear, (laughs) and I saw my arms begin to disappear. And I went, oh. Oh my God. And he goes, and then a lump rose in my throat, but then my throat disappeared. He goes, and as it all went away, I was still there. It was still here. And the thought came to my head of who's minding the store. And he goes, that's when I knew myself. And it was a knowing deeper than anything I'd ever felt before. Mm-hmm. And he goes, mm-hmm. and I ran home to my parents you know, like a couple neighborhoods over at 4 a.m. and it was snowing. And I, and I grabbed a shovel and I started snowing the driveway. And my parents looked out the window and my dad goes, come to bed, you idiot. No one sn- uh, shovels snow at four in the morning. And he goes, the little voice in my head said, it's okay to shovel snow and it's okay to be happy. And I always hmm. go back to that. Hmm. It's, it's okay to shovel snow. And it's just, hmm. you you come home to the center. It's... It's a quiet, mm-hmm. just silent. It's not happy. It's not sad. It's just, it's just peace in the center. And I, I promise you, you can find it. And it's not even some horseshit of like, follow me on Instagram. Follow my motivational. No, I was literally a fat fuck who didn't brush his teeth. To now, I've got like my own studio in like one of my in one bedroom and I have my bed in the other room and I'm in a cool place downtown and I've, I've got an 86 inch gaming screen right here where like a little fucking kid I play video games life size like it is so cool everything I wouldn't trade my life for the world but it came from like the absolute pits and like dude if I can do it like you can too like anybody mm-hmm. can like you, you can do it just just start. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Everything is an option. Like crying, is kicking, screaming, getting fat. Like all these other things. All of it's an option. The only thing that's option that's not an option is quitting. Mm-hmm. 
That's it. And it's just part of the journey. Yeah. Thank you for taking us on this journey, Tommy. Yeah, I appreciate it, brother. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. We'll, we'll we'll bring it full circle with So then eventually you have to you have to identify and talk about the elephant in the room. Well then what about my brother? Or what about your friends? And Ram Das has he has one way of saying it. And he goes, you know, if someone's in your fourth grade class and after a week they get bumped up to fifth grade, it's because they're smarter and they're ready for the next thing. So he goes, one option is, is maybe they had already completed their evolution in this life and now they're on to something else. Hmm. I don't really like that one. That's Ram Dass's. That's one of the few things I disagree with him on. I tend to look at it as I probably wouldn't be giving half a fuck about any of this had I not lost a brother. I'm sure if I got an email from you guys, I'd be like, yeah, I should probably do that. That's some good karma. We'll talk about suicide. That'll feel good. And then it'll be in one ear out the other. Like, share, and subscribe. I have to make sense of it. I don't know why you did it. I don't think I ever can, because if I did, I'd probably be in that logic too, and I would have done it. So it'd be like this whole, it's like it, nothing can evolve from that because if you're in the logic of suicide, you'd probably commit suicide and thus you wouldn't be there to talk about it. So it's a weird, like, what does the back of your eyes look like? You can't know it. The only logic I can make of it is, is I don't know why it happened, but it happened. So I'm going to make the most of it and make sure it's not in vain. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it sucks, you know, if you're, your airbase gets attacked or your fucking White House gets hit by a missile. And it's like, that sucks. But you can bolster defenses and move forward. And that's kind of how I look at it is, I don't know why it happened. Everything we're talking about. I don't know why I did it. All I can say is it happened and I'm gonna make the most of it. And that's a, so I hear, I hear Tommy that there's a mystery there. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I, my ass, despite of myself, I'm still here today and I get to live this life. Mm-hmm. And I just want to give a shout out to creator, that magic fire dust, God, whatever you want to source. And that like, there's limitations to our knowing yeah. and that like, there's something greater happening here and that's pulled us together. Right. And so like, I find a lot of solace in that of like that really just like, it's just about surrender, man. Yeah. ultimately that, that that both and surrender and aligning my will so i live my life so that i can die with dignity mm-hmm. yeah and in service to others yeah that's yeah. it that's all i know yeah. and i don't know shit yeah. in a little bit me neither yeah i uh also really appreciated you walking through that process mm-hmm. uh and arriving at the conclusion that of of i don't know and that that whether or not that's enough in this moment or the next is irrelevant. Some days I don't know is just fine. And other days we're going to be clamoring for answers. Mm-hmm. And I, I I can't speak to losing someone from my biological family to suicide. I can talk from a place of losing 13 of my close personal friends and brothers and sisters who I've served with over, over a decade to suicide. And I, and I, and I remember talking with a good friend of mine, uh, about the despair that I was feeling in relation to that loss. 
and the guilt in some ways that I was feeling in relation to still being here when they weren't. And asking that person, what's the best way that I can move through this, this, this dilemma, this darkness of, of, and of being surrounded by people uh, or, or, or the death of, of people close to me at their own hand. And, and he said to me, he said, Mark, you know, what I've found is the best way to honor the dead is to live all the way by making mistakes, by making wise decisions, by making shitty decisions to fucking live, you know? And it kind of goes back to that thing that we've all been talking about here, which is like getting up in the morning and just making a bed, just brushing a fucking tooth. Just one of them. Just one of them. Just one of them. Because as you, you know, so eloquently put it out there, you know, we start adding and tallying those things up, whether it's an Excel sheet or scratching numbers on a piece of paper, it adds up, it multiplies. So we got to live in order to honor the dead. And we don't know why they've gone and we'll never know. Yeah. And that's got to be enough. And to live, we got to practice dying. Yes. Yeah. Like you said. It's yeah. Just, yeah. It's okay to go. I don't know. Like there's something deeply funny to me about like cosmic adding... giggle that's ram das well yeah cosmic giggle yeah no there's like yeah. and i've said this before like and it's 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 easy to say this once you've gotten out of the shit like i said once you're at that kind of telescoped conscious vision of like i just want to go to bed and die like i you're not going to be there but like as you move forward and as you have more leeway to breathe and when i get depressed now i'm not worried about it i'm like this sucks it's gonna pass when you keep going there's just something, maybe this is just the shithead in me, but there's something deeply funny to me <laughs> about continuing to go when everything is so dark. Like, there's something deeply funny to me, like, about trying my hardest and still waking up and working out and dieting, and it's like, as we're tiptoeing towards World War Three and we're coming out of, like, a bioweapon over the earth and, like... It's clearly it's clear that like you know like Jeffrey Epstein's like black book list never came out. And it's like well, all right, the pedophile billionaires are running. Like there's something deeply funny to me about being like, like Satan's literally on the throne, like whipping the earth's population. And it's like that may be so, but bro, I gotta make this bed. <laughs> like to me, there's something, there is something so funny about like it's all fucked. You're like you're seeing the a bomb come to you, and you're just like. You know, like sweeping off the, the keyboard. You're like, well, I don't want this to be messy. <laughs> like, it makes no I'm gonna sense. I'm going to be just dumb for a minute. Are, 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 this is going to be stupid. Are, are we are we tiptoeing towards fucking oh, we're, we're sprinting. Are we tiptoeing or are we fucking full on fucking full tilt boogie? That's what it? I mean. And it's like. And yeah. does it really matter? No. Because I got a dog that needs to take a shit in the backyard that's right now. I'm and then I need to go about. clean up that shit so I don't fucking step in it later. Because like. That's what I'm talking about. Like, I don't. I don't fucking know. Like. I have no idea. It's like they just gave an, another $800 billion to the Pentagon and we're going to keep like raping and pillaging the earth. I'm like, that may be so. However, I've got podcasts today and I got to go get groceries. Yes. yes. I, I got shit to, to do. Like Klaus Schwab, yes. I, I know you want to turn us all into bug eating like eunuchs. And I see you and I deal with you when I can. But like dog, my glasses are smudgy and I need to clean them off because they... I, I can't see the video game screen clearly. I'll deal with you Good when story. I can, but we got to triage right now. Got to charge yes. my phone. Don't fire the yes. nukes, Putin. I got to charge my phone. 
All right. You know, <laughs> it's just like, I can't deal with this right now. I got other shit to do. Like, that's funny. Like, that's hmm. deeply funny to me. It's relieving, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Like, we have all this pressure on, like, building this perfect life and creating this perfect humanity, this or that. So, like, what I heard in Israel that, like, they're actually really freaking joyful because, like, it's war every day. So, they, they really, like, live their life like mm. it's their life song. Yeah. Like, okay, I'm going to die. Yeah. I'm going to sing. I'm going to dance. I'm going to love. I'm going to take care of what's most meaningful. That's the jam right there. So they're there. It's funny that, right? Like what you're it saying, is, that cosmic giggle, there's relief in that part of that cycle of death and destruction. That's part of the wholeness of this whole humanity thing. And we're in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we get to do it. That's cool. And I got a choice because I've been in this and it's funny that you bring up this nuclear thing, right? And the whole way trajectory of humanity because i wear that shit like fucking atlas from time to time and i'm crushed under it and oh, i'm yeah. paralyzed by it and like what am i gonna oh and i need to prep and do this and that and the other thing and like <laughs> yeah dude i went on a journey of my own not too long ago and a series of journeys to kind of navigate that and i'm talking about psychedelic journeys and and the message that i received every single week from that experience was yo fucker, you're you're, you're gonna die oh, yeah. and there's there's not actually a lot of time left. Like it was very clear and it wasn't talking about my time. It was talking about our collective time. There's not a lot of time left. Yeah. Just keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. Like, like, like I, I, I wish this was happening in 2016 when I was suicidal. Cause I would love to be able to look back at the irony of being like suicidal and also like doom scrolling about world war three. It's like, well, bro, I thought you were, I thought you were ready to go. Why don't to fire the nuclear missiles? You know? Why not? Why not? Not up. <laughs> like, you know, it's, then you don't have to do it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's and it's, well, I don't want to do it. And it's like, well, it's, it's here now, brother. And it's like, oh, I don't know, man. Uh, I don't know, man. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, just, 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 this is probably going to be like horribly racist, but I just imagine like a Japanese guy looking well, up at the end. Yeah. 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 Just don't stop. Don't, 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 stop. Don't, we're going to help you out. Yeah. yeah. yeah don't, don't do it. <laughs> You're good. Anyway, so like the idea is like you're in Hiroshima <laughs> and you're looking at the A bomb and you're just kind of like still like doing your little sand garden and just looking up on it and being like, you know, and then still just focusing and making yes. this. Yes. That's it. Who the fuck cares? Like, because what else are you going to do? What else are you going to do? I get... Like, why? It, it kind of comes back around to like carrying shit that's not ours. Right. I, I personally have no power, control or influence on whether or not somebody pushes a button that launches a fucking hypersonic missile. I don't. What? So let me go back to making circles in the sand. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just. Yeah. I've been doing this for eternity. I've been doing this forever. We'll do it again. I'm sure we've had this discussion before in a past life. <laughs> we'll have it more again in the future. And I'm That's sure there's cool. one of those alternate universes where I actually did shit on the treadmill. But you know what? Hopefully. Hopefully. I mean, that would be great. But yeah, I don't know. I you know, feel... you know, Ram Dass's foundation, right? It's love, serve, yeah. remember, right? Yeah. So when we his... talk about like what we can do and what's different, you still have his, his hold spaces, his, his holds. There you go. Right. So we have an opportunity here right now to say stop and hold space and open up our hearts and whatever that magic fabric is to go. We remember. We remember those, our brothers and sisters that never came home and those that never fully landed. Remember their families. Remember their suffering. 
and we live well for them. Mm. We get to do that too. Mm. And that meant what may be a little different. Love, serve, remember. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Thanks for bringing Rami in. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. I was, yeah, Ram Dass died like, like three days before I started my podcast. Mm. And I'm just like, you dickhead. <laughs> I wanted you on here so bad. Fuck. And apparently he was really open to Skype calls. But mm-hmm. part of me thinks of Ram Dass just laughing. And like, yeah, I did that on purpose. I dropped the body. Mm. Where would I go? I dropped the body. So, um, gentlemen, that's how we wrap this one up. I feel like we're coming down to a natural landing point. I say this as just just a flash and it ends. <laughs> final episode, yeah. But uh, hey, I got. So can we end with a poem? Yeah, mm. yeah. We're poem people, and I got one from a veteran. Go for it, right? And she wrote it about just like what we're talking about mm. when we're like in the shit, right? She wrote this uh, after coming out on the land. It's called my name, Sally Mary. My bleeding black rose stems from my beloved demon. A tragic romance of a mere dream. I refuse to die, but I continue to bleed. Slavish devotions to my infliction. Am I the enemy whom I love? Every day I fight a battle with wounds you cannot see. I want to leave this war so I can find my life's journey. For now, I inch away patiently learning to forgive myself. My bleeding black rose, romancing a recurrent dream, that is really a nightmare. I refuse to die, but I continue to bleed. Slavish devotions to my afflictions, am I the enemy whom I love? Every day I fight a battle without with wounds you cannot see. I want to leave this war so I can find my life's journey. For now, I inch away patiently learning to forgive myself. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Thank you. Hi. Um, Appreciate you, mate. Ryan, Mark, I love you guys. Thanks, brother. Thanks for this talk. I love you too, man. Love to have you guys on again. We'll we'll get it. We have focused discussion. We go all the rabbit holes. Yeah, no, focused discussion sucks. I know. We good. Just open up the rabbit hole. Yeah, Yeah, we have to go. Psychedelics all day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, dude, focused discussion sucks. We're going to hit these bullet points. I'm like, yeah, I can't. I just would if you guys were like I have these bullet points, I just would have lied and be like, I shit on the treadmill. I can't do it today. I would just be like, fuck that's that. so good. No, yeah, no, fuck. I'll be man. clear, Veteran Rights is not a psychedelic organization. That is Mark and Ryan. Um, we are purveyors of healing spaces that are natural and on the land because that's deep medicine as it is. So absolutely. True story. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, no. It's uh yeah, no, it's uh Thank I, you for that. Yeah. No. No, absolutely, of course. Love you. Yeah, no, that's a that's a personal journey. And yeah, obviously I don't I don't have any medical background, so I can't tell anybody to do that either. But uh <sighs> Yeah, I don't know. It's all good. Uh, it's all good. Websites in the description. You guys, go there. Go visit. Donate if you can. If you can't, it's cool too. Just talk to somebody or don't. That's cool too. Pray or don't. That's cool too. You don't have to do anything. <laughs> both actually. in, bro. So Tommy, we're both in people, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both we're in. Yeah, people. both in. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and it's like we just had this beautiful conversation. Yeah, and like. But now I got. I actually have to like go do dishes. <laughs> Bro, I was gonna say like I hope during this hour and some change that we've been on a thing that things in your pipes have solidified. And if they haven't, please, bro, yeah. don't leave that shit spackled on the back of the bowl. No, no, I gotta clean that too. No, I'm gonna clean everything. Yeah, it's just like yeah, it's just what it is. Sorry, right. cool. Send us a picture. Yeah, we're good. Hell yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. That's, right, that's my. Hell that, yeah. That's my OnlyFans. <laughs> that's my. That's my OnlyFans. That's my shit channel. Uh, that's how I fund this whole operation. <laughs> Hey. <laughs>
It's a good deal, bro. Take care, man. Guys, thank you so much. Take care, everybody. Much love. love. Recording stopped. Peace.